Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 6 of the UK's first Freedom of Information podcast. I'm Ibrahim Hassan. I'm here to guide you through the decisions of the Information Commissioner and the Information Tribunal published in March and April 2007. In this episode, amongst other things, we will be hearing about the new consultation on the fees regulations, when information is held on behalf of a public authority, the link between the Enterprise Act and Freedom of Information, the disclosure of surveillance information, and Tony Blair's Christmas card list. The Department of Constitutional Affairs recently published a supplementary consultation paper on the draft fees regulations. It's inviting views on the principles of amending the existing regulations. The paper follows strong criticisms of the earlier consultation exercise, which closed on the 8th of March. Many of the responses questioned the need to make any changes at all, and also the tone of the consultation, which suggested that the government had already made up its mind to curtail freedom of information. The responses to both consultation papers will be published together. Those who wish to comment are asked to do so by the 21st of June. Let's move on to talk about the decisions made by the Information Commissioner and the Information Tribunal over the last two months. There have been three recent decisions on the environmental information regulations. Sometimes a request for information will require a public authority to consider the application of both freedom of information and the environmental information regulations. In a decision involving Easington Council, dated the 15th of March, the complainant made a request for a copy of a building survey commissioned by the management committee of a community centre. The council withheld the survey citing Section 41, Information Provided in Confidence. The commissioner decided that this was correct, but a coal mining report that was attached to the survey should have been released under the Environmental Information Regulations. Even though a coal mining report is a publicly available document, it can still be requested under the regulations. Unlike Section 21 of the Freedom of Information Act, there is no exemption under the environmental regulations for information that is reasonably accessible to the applicant. In March and April 2007, the Information Commissioner published 57 Freedom of Information decisions, whilst the Information Tribunal published 11. Freedom of information doesn't just apply to information held by public authorities. It also covers information held by another person on behalf of the authority. This requires careful consideration of the contractual basis upon which third parties are engaged to work on behalf of a public authority, especially where such work involves processing information. In a decision involving Leeds City Council dated the 10th of April, the complainant requested copies of the responses given to a market research exercise undertaken by Swift Research on behalf of Leeds City Council. The council concluded that it did not hold the requested information, as it only asked Swift to provide it with a final report and not the completed questionnaires. After examining the contractual relationship between the company and the council, the commissioner concluded that the questionnaire responses but not the names and addresses of those taking part, were held by SWIFT on behalf of the Council. Consequently, they had to be disclosed by the Council. The Leeds decision also contains useful guidance on the matters that can be reasonably taken into account in assessing whether supplying information would exceed the £450 cost limit. There have been a number of other decisions on the issue of fees. Two of these stress the importance not only of applying the fees provisions properly, but also providing advice and assistance to applicants under Section 16 of the Act. It is not enough to simply state that the costs will be over the appropriate limit. 
In a decision involving the BBC dated the 27th of March 2007, the Commissioner found that the cost limit was properly applied, but the BBC failed to provide advice as to how to refine the request in order to bring it within the cost limit. Decisions on vexatious and repeated requests continue to keep the Commissioner busy. The Commissioner seems to be interpreting the provisions of Section 14 quite widely. I suspect that he is trying to tackle some of the criticisms the government has made of freedom of information, which some commentators say are being used by the government as an excuse for changing the fees provisions. The decision involving the BBC, dated the 19th of March 2007, concerned 90 requests relating to the authorities' hospitality expenditure and employee expenses claims during a short period of time. The Information Commissioner agreed that the requests were vexatious for a number of reasons. The volume of requests had the effect of harassing the public authority and some members of staff with whom the complainant had corresponded. In addition, the Commissioner ruled that the request could be characterised as obsessive. On the 6th of March, the Information Tribunal considered the decision of the Information Commissioner involving Avon and Somerset Constabulary. The complainant requested copies of documents relating to the trial of Jeremy Thorpe, the former Liberal Democrat leader who was acquitted in 1979 of conspiracy to murder Norman Scott. The tribunal agreed with the information commissioner that the constabulary was entitled to rely on Section 30, Investigations and Proceedings, to withhold the requested information. It made some useful points about the applicability of Section 30 and the competing public interest factors which are worth reading, especially when faced with a decision involving this exemption. It is always difficult for a public authority to justify refusing to confirm or deny the existence of information under the Freedom of Information Act. In a decision involving the Department of Constitutional Affairs, dated the 27th of March, the complainant requested information on the number and rank of judges and magistrates who had been disciplined for misuse of computer systems, including those who had been found to use the Internet to view pornography. The DCA informed the complainant that it would neither confirm nor deny the existence of the information and applied Section 31, Law Enforcement, and Section 36, Effective Conduct of Public Affairs. The Commissioner decided that the exemptions had been incorrectly applied. Consequently, the DCA should confirm whether or not it holds the information requested by the complainant. In this decision, the Information Commissioner relied heavily on the tribunal decisions in Brook and Hogan. This is a very valuable decision for those who are relying on any exemption to refuse to confirm or deny the existence of information. It contains some useful pointers as to the factors to be considered. Many local authorities are looking forward to inspections by the Office of the Surveillance Commissioners. The next decision provides a timely reminder that surveillance information may also be the subject of a Freedom of Information request. Care needs to be taken when drafting a refusal notice, since the applicable exemption is Section 31, Law Enforcement, which is subject to the Public Interest Test. In a decision involving Nottinghamshire Fire and Rescue dated the 15th of March, The complainant requested information relating to alleged surveillance of him by the public authority. The authority neither confirmed nor denied the existence of such information and stated that if it were to exist, it would be subject to the exemption under Section 31 for law enforcement. Following consideration of the public interest test, the Commissioner upheld the authority's decision. ID cards, or entitlement cards as the government prefers to call them, have been the subject of a number of Freedom of Information requests. On the 5th of March 2007, 
the tribunal upheld the Information Commissioner's decision dated the 5th of June 2006. It ordered the DWP to disclose a timescale and anticipated publication date for the feasibility study to establish the full impact, cost and benefits of the introduction of ID cards. The decision turned on the interpretation of Section 351A, Formulation and Development of Government Policy. As with every month, access to personal data featured heavily in March and April's decisions. The case involving the BBC, dated the 14th of March, was about access to interview notes. The Commissioner ruled that the information about the ethnic origin of an advisory committee's members and notes about each applicant made during the interview process had been withheld correctly under Section 40, Subsection 2, being third-party personal data. Sometimes when considering disclosure of such data, consideration may need to be given to whether the information is already in the public domain. In the decision involving the General Medical Council, dated the 23rd of April, the complainant requested details of the number of complaints made to the GMC about a particular doctor. The request was refused except for the details of a complaint which had been already disclosed at a public hearing. The public authority claimed that the rest of the information was exempt under Section 40, Subsection 2 being personal data and to release it would be a breach of the data protection principles. The Commissioner agreed with this approach. Of course, not all third-party personal information will be exempt under Section 40. In a decision involving Calderdale and Huddersfield NHS Trust, dated the 17th of April, the complainant requested information about a doctor who had previously worked for the Trust. Specifically, he asked whether the doctor had been carrying out a six-monthly rotation as part of her training for general practice. The Trust refused to provide this information, claiming that the information was exempt from disclosure under Section 40. The Commissioner concluded that the release of this information would not be a breach of the data protection principles, and therefore it was not exempt under Section 40. If you are interested in access to personal data under the Freedom of Information Act, please see my article in the March issue of the World Data Protection Report, which is also available on the articles page of my website. Requests seem to continue unabated for legal advice received by public authorities. This is despite the fact that the Commissioner and the Tribunal are yet to rule in favour of disclosure where legal professional privilege applies. Section 42 is, of course, a qualified exemption. Often the Tribunal decision in Bellamy is cited as evidence that there is a very high threshold to prove that disclosure of legal advice would be in the public interest. One further point to bear in mind is that where a public authority is asked for legal advice which has been commissioned by another party, Section 42 cannot be claimed. In the decision involving Forest Heath District Council dated the 2nd of April, the complainant requested a copy of legal advice held by the Council regarding the quorum necessary for a properly constituted meeting of the licensing subcommittee. The Commissioner considered that as the Council did not itself commission the legal advice and instead obtained it from another public authority, it was wrong to rely upon the Section 42 exemption. However, he was satisfied that the public authority was entitled to rely on the Section 41 exemption as the legal advice was shared with it as part of a confidential agreement. The Commissioner has previously stated that public authorities do have commercial interests that Section 43 exemption can be used to protect. However, this exemption is subject to the public interest test and it also depends on what kind of information is being requested and the likely effect of disclosure. In a recent decision involving the Royal Mail, dated the 28th of March, 
the commissioner agreed that disclosure of information about the Royal Mail smart stamp service would prejudice its commercial interests. Last month we discussed an information commissioner decision involving East Sussex Council that confirmed what many local trading standards professionals have often claimed that Part 9 of the Enterprise Act 2002 provides a legal prohibition on disclosure of certain information they come across as part of their regulatory function. This therefore means that it's exempt under Section 44 of the Freedom of Information Act. Further confirmation of this interpretation has now been provided by the Information Tribunal in a recent decision involving the Office of Fair Trading. In Mr. Day and the Information Commissioner dated the 16th of April, the complainant requested information concerning complaints about a specific company. The Information Tribunal agreed with the Information Commissioner that Part 9, and in particular Section 237 of the Enterprise Act, was a bar to disclosure. It therefore meant that it was exempt from disclosure under Section 44 of the Freedom of Information Act. Interestingly, the Tribunal considered and disagreed with the Scottish Information Commissioner's decision involving Dumfries and Galloway Council, where Kevin Dunyon took the opposite view. This Tribunal decision will provide some comfort to trading standards and other local authority regulatory departments who often receive Freedom of Information requests. Care must, however, be taken to ensure that the information has been gathered pursuant to the specified functions set out in the Enterprise Act. It is also important to note that if the request is for environmental information, then the environmental information regulations do not provide the same exemption. And finally, just to prove that this is a topical and up-to-date podcast, I have to mention Tony Blair. In a decision dated the 26th of March 2007, the Cabinet Office refused to disclose the Prime Minister's Christmas card list for 2004. It claimed the exemptions under Section 27, International Relations, Section 36, Prejudice to the Effective Conduct of Public Affairs, Section 40, Personal Information, and, just for good measure, Section 38, Health and Safety. The Commissioner agreed that the majority of the names on the Christmas card list should remain exempt for reasons provided by the Cabinet Office. However, he ruled that the names of foreign leaders and heads of state on the list should be released together with the headings used in the list and the number of recipients listed under each heading. Sadly though, it seems that we will never know if Tony Blair included Gordon Brown on his Christmas card list. That concludes this month's podcast. This podcast was brought to you by me, Ibrahim Hassan. I specialize in all aspects of information rights law, particularly freedom of information, data protection and surveillance law. My clients include local authorities, the NHS and government agencies. If you'd like specific advice or training on any of these issues, please do drop me a line. Thank you for your continued feedback. The scripts for all previous podcasts with clickable links are available on my website. If you'd like a copy of this month's script, please contact me via the website which is www.informationlaw.org.uk. Until the next time, goodbye.